Well, good morning, everyone. Happy New Year once again. If you want to make your way to your seats, we'll, uh, we'll begin the time for the sermon. Uh, today is a special day. It is a, a new year, and we have a new sermon series uh, to go through today. Today, we are going to have a new sermon series in the book of Jonah. Uh, obviously, so often, the first question that gets brought up when anyone talks about Jonah is, what about the fish? Was it real? Right? Uh, even if it was real, what kind of fish was it? And if it did happen, how then did it happen? And if that's you, if that's what went through your mind, don't worry. Those are good questions, and we are going to get there. But the fish is not the focus point for this narration of Jonah's life that we find in the Bible. Rather, this book about the prophet is meant to reveal for us the beauty of God's grace. And that's what this entire sermon series is going to be about. It's going to be about God's grace revealed, all right? Because this story, as that is what it is, a story meaning that the literary style uh, as it sits in the scriptures is narration. This story uses Jonah's life to challenge us with the reality of how easy it is to embrace the doctrine of salvation by God's grace alone, while we still might wrestle with how God's grace is revealed as he provides salvation. Because as we'll learn through this story of Jonah, what the prophet goes through was actually meant to be a lesson for Jonah about God's grace. It's actually what Jonah is, uh, through this whole, uh, whole narration, it's what he's learning. Through what he goes through, he's learning about God's grace. Because even though he was acquainted with that grace, after all, he's a prophet of God, he spoke for God, but when God enacted his grace, Jonah still questioned it internally, is what we'll see. Again, this entire sermon series is going to be about God's grace. So uh, let's kick off the series. Let's do that. So if you would please, in your Bibles, turn to the first chapter of Jonah. Um, if you're having a hard time finding Jonah, it's in the later part of the Old Testament. It's a, a few pages after um, Ezekiel and Daniel. So if you see those names, you just have to go a little bit more further. If you run into Nahum or Micah or Habakkuk, that's past, so just go back a few. If you're going to use one of the Bibles in front of you, it'll be page 726. Um, so that's where that sits. But um, while you're doing that, let me ask something of you. We, we, we ask this almost every single week, but I want to ask of you to fill out one of our Connect cards because those Connect cards are really uh, one of the ways that we can be connected to what's going on in your life. Those Connect cards are really there so we might know how we can pray for you or how we might be able to be of service to you. So uh, I'm asking visitors, regular attenders, members to fill those out. And you can put them in the collection baskets that are up here on the stage, or you can put it over there in that black box by the resource wall. But we hope that everyone will do that because, again, this is a way for us to be connected. And I'll just say in advance, thank you. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for filling out those Connect cards. So what do you say we go ahead and read our passage for today? And here at Maranatha, we stand in reverence of God's Word as we read it aloud. So if you would please, if you're able, join with me as I do read God's Word for us. And we will be in Jonah chapter 1, and we're going to read the first six verses. This is what it says. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it. For their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a 
ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare and went down into or went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. This is the word of the Lord. Say thanks be to God. Have a seat. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for the truth that we have in the scriptures that we can come and hear from you on a daily basis as we seek you there. Lord, be with us today, even as we begin this new sermon series, as we're trying to process all that this means, and we all come to this particular story with um, a lot of information, as we've heard this time and time again. So help us, uh, or or rather give us new eyes, give us new ears, and a heart to receive this truth, Lord. We do trust you. Uh, We rely on you. You are our our rock and our uh, foundation of faith. Thank you, Lord for the mercy and grace you've given to us in your son, Jesus. is in his name we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, as we begin, I actually want to uh, expand on something that I just said a moment ago about this story in Jonah. Because you see, right at the beginning of this book, we are told that the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And that seems important because it is. It seems important because it is important, because statements like this one bear a lot of weight. It it means that the God of all creation chose to speak his word of truth to a person, making that person a prophet, meaning that that person was a person who would speak on behalf of God. And again, this is a serious matter, because just to summarize, if a person spoke as a prophet would, and if they spoke falsely, basically if they spoke from their own mind or heart or desires or authority, but claimed that it came from God, well then, as the Lord says in Deuteronomy 18, they were to be killed. It's why a statement like that bears so much weight, as it's professing that there's a prophet hearing from God and is to speak for God. And if it's done falsely, well, then that person was to be killed. But what we know from the Bible's historical accounts is that Jonah, this Jonah, was actually a true prophet of God because we learn in 2 Kings 14 that this same Jonah served as the prophet of God for the king Jeroboam II, who just happened to be this very evil king, very wicked King. Now, why does that matter to this story? Why does it matter to this story that Jonah is a prophet? Well, it matters to the degree that it validates that this story is God's story and not just a moral tale that we tell children so they obey their parents. This story is God's story and it is revealing to us something about God as well. This shows us that Jonah had been living in the perfect position to witness all the incredible things that God was doing through his mercy for his people. 
While Jonah was serving in his position as this messenger of God's grace for God's people, Jonah, by his position, was given the opportunity to witness and experience the reality that God's people actually did deserve his justifiable wrath and condemnation, but instead they continued to receive his unmerited mercy and favor. Jonah saw this. Now, as we'll see, even though that was true, even though Jonah had a front row seat to see and in fact know because he was a prophet to know God's grace, Jonah still had a lot to learn about God's grace just as we do today. Jonah had a lot to learn just like we do because the hardness of Jonah's heart is on display right here at the beginning of the story. So look again with me at verses 1, 2, and 3. This is what it says. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. From the presence of the Lord, he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into, into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Now let me explain what's going on here. First, as we know, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, and that word was to go and tell someone that they were acting against the will of God. Now, when it comes to the duties of a prophet, what a prophet was expected to do, this is exactly the kind of message that Jonah would have likely expected to receive to then go and accomplish. But instead of doing what the Lord commanded him, he did something what seems unexpected. Instead of doing what the Lord told him to do, he did something sort of unexpected. Jonah didn't go where God told him to go. Instead, he ran off in the very opposite direction. He was told to arise. He was told to, to get up and to go to Nineveh, which was north, but rather he chose to go down to Joppa. He chose to go down into the bottom of a boat in hopes to escape the Lord's presence and the apparent command of God. He tried to flee from the presence of God. But why? So we see that, but why? Why would Jonah deny his duty as a prophet, right? He was already existing in that role. He'd already done that for King Jeroboam II. So why would he deny his duty as a prophet? Well, it could not have been that Jonah didn't know God, right? It could not have been that Jonah didn't believe in God. Rather, what will continue to be unveiled in this story is that Jonah didn't want to go because he actually knew exactly what God wanted to do. He didn't follow God's command because he actually knew exactly what God wanted to do. Jonah was attempting to escape the presence of the Lord so he wouldn't have to go to Nineveh because Jonah understood that God was desiring to declare his grace to those people. And what Jonah knew about God was this, because he had seen it happen time and time again, that when God causes you to see your sin, he is doing so to show you his mercy in order to save you from the penalty of your sin. That's what Jonah knew of God. When he causes you, when he calls you to repentance, he's revealing his grace because he wants to save you from the penalty of your sin. Jonah knew this grace, 
He had experienced this grace. He was a man of God. He feared the Lord, and he knew the depths of the Lord's love. But how could he go to Nineveh and offer that love to those people who were his enemy? You see, at that time, there was this division within the land of Israel when 10 of the 12 tribes of God, we learned about that in the Old Testament, that there's 12 tribes. Uh, 10 of the 12 tribes actually inhabited the, most, uh, the northern part of Israel, and there were only two tribes that made up the south, Judah and Benjamin, and that was bad. But north of those 10 tribes were the Assyrians. And the military capital for the Assyrians was Nineveh which housed one of the mightiest military powerhouses of that time. And it was said of these people that they had willingly allowed themselves to be a place of unbound violence and evil. The prophet Nahum actually commented uh, on the known condition and character of the Ninevite people. He said this in Nahum 3, verses 1 through 3. He says, Woe to the bloody city, all full of lies and plunder, No end to their prey. The crack of the whip and the rumble of the wheel, galloping horses and bounding chariot, horsemen charging, flashing sword and glittering spear, hosts of slain, heaps of corpses, dead bodies without end, they stumble over the bodies. Doesn't paint a very pretty picture of Nineveh. One commentator said that the only way that we might understand this kind of evil corruption is if we compare them to the most violent of terrorist groups or cartels who attack their victims with a bloodthirsty glee. And apparently, even today in the British Museum uh, in London, you can see there's this collection of Assyrian artifacts that show just how sadistic these people were as genocidal oppressors. Therefore, as we put all that into context, therefore, since Jonah's closest family and friends who would have likely been the ones who suffered the most at the hand of this vile nation because he and they lived in the northernmost part of this place, in this region of Israel, he hated them. Again, they were his enemy. He he hated them. Jonah couldn't stomach the idea that God might pour out his redeeming grace upon those wicked people. Now again, of course, Jonah embraced and even loved God's grace for himself and his people. But when it came to them, when it came to those people over there, those vile and disgusting people, what he wanted was for God's punishment, God's judgment to be poured out on them, not his grace. Jonah, in fact, tells us this himself in Jonah 4.2. He says that that is why I made haste. He made haste to flee to Tarshish, for he knew that they were, that God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and willing to relent from disaster. Have you ever heard the joke that we can be thankful for all the butts in the Bible? Well, pay attention because Jonah fled, but God relented. Or God didn't relent. Verse 1, God gives his command to Jonah. Verse 3, but Jonah fled. Verse 4, follow along with me. 
But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give us a thought that we may not perish. Now in these three verses, there's a lot to say, but we're actually going to pause here in order to cover all of it next week, because next week we're going to finish up chapter one, where it gives us the rest of the story Uh, about Jonah and these sailors. So next week is when we're actually going to cover these three verses. But mainly, I want to pause here because I want for us to understand this. I want for us to understand that this story is not about a man who was blessed by doing all that God commanded. Rather, we will see that this is a story about a man who was used by God despite his unfaithfulness and sin. Not because he was special, but because God chose to pour out his sovereign grace on him. God used him despite himself. Listen, this story isn't even about how we should avoid our foolishness, although we should, but rather that even if we stray from the Lord, we should return to him by responding to his provided grace, which calls us to repent and once again walk after him faithfully as we follow him through his word. That's what this story is actually about. This story is a story of grace. It's a story of grace because it shows us the gospel of Jesus Christ. And let me take us out of the Old Testament, and this is where this story is. Let me take us out of the Old Testament and set us down in the New Testament because you see, when the people of Jesus' time felt like they needed a miracle from Jesus to believe in what he was proclaiming in order to believe that he was who he said that he was. Jesus didn't stand up and perform for them. Rather, he rebuked their hard-heartedness by pointing back to something that they already believed about God. Because the people of God, the, the, the chosen people of God, the people of Israel believed that this story was true. He pointed back to what God had already said, what they already believed to be true about God. Here's what he said, Matthew 12. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. You see, Jesus used what was true in God's word to prove and testify to what was true about himself because all of it is there and meant to point us to see the Messiah. All of it is about Jesus who is the Christ. And I mention all of this right now at the top of this sermon series because we need to remember this reality as we make our way through this tale. See what I did there? As we make our way through this tale, 
because this story is incredible. This story is hard to explain. It is incredible because the narration of Jonah's life is all the evidence that we need in order to understand that everyone will face the judgment of God. Everyone faces the judgment of God and that we all will be raised up when Jesus returns. Everyone will be given eternal life and the only thing that differentiates us on whether or not we will be condemned to hell or we will be given grace and get to live in all the great mercies and inheritances of all the spiritual blessings in Jesus Christ is if we have or have not repented and trusted in the truth of Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection. That is what the story of Jonah proclaims. It proclaims the gospel. It proclaims God's grace for us in our difficulty as well as our salvation from sin. Our salvation from God's justifiable wrath. The good news is not do good and get good. The message isn't to clean yourself up so you can go to God. No, that's not how grace works. How many times have you cleaned yourself up in order to then go take a shower. That's not how it works. My point is that we come to Christ and he cleanses us. He cleanses us. He does for us what we could never do for ourselves. This story is compelling, and yes, it's fun to discuss, but it exists to show us that there is something more incredible than the story of Jonah and the fish because it casts our attention to the one Jesus who is the Christ, the one who is the gracious and merciful Lord and King, our Savior, because he is slow to anger and he abounds in steadfast love. And he is the only one who can cause our disaster to relent. Now, We're just beginning this, and I'm excited for this series. I'm excited to study this with you, and I hope you feel the same way. But let's pray. Father, thank you for your mercy and grace. Thank you for the good news that we have, that you have given your life for us, that you have done what we cannot do, and that, Lord, you have even made us your church, that we have one another as we work this out. Lord, I pray for your mercy. I pray for your grace to be upon us. Help us to... Grow in wisdom and faith. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to receive who you desire for us to be. And Lord, let us respond in faithfulness. We trust you. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.